You're listening to the Revolution Church Podcast. To learn more, including our gathering times in Crossville, Tennessee, visit us at CrossvilleRevolution.com. Today is the day uh, that we are going to take communion together as a church. Uh, Maybe you've heard it called the Lord's Supper before. Maybe you have a Catholic background and they refer to it as the Eucharist. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to read uh, Luke chapter 22, verses 19 through 20. I want to hone in on the main phrase of tension in these verses where Jesus is at the Lord's Supper with his disciples and talks about and gives instruction for the Lord's Supper. Uh, Then we're going to take it together here at the end. Sound good, Rev Church? Say, oh yeah. Luke chapter 22, verse 19, it says this, And he, he being Jesus, took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, his disciples, is them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this, and here's the main phrase of tension, Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You know, when we think about the word remembrance, or if you've ever even thought about it, it can be maybe not confusing, but it's not a word that a lot of us use today. It's sort of like Game of Thronish and King James-ish, you know what I mean? And so nobody goes around saying, remembrance of me, you know? And so, so today what I want to do is I want to give you four points of what remembrance means. Four things, and four things that it means when we remember uh, Jesus during communion. Number one, understand this. To remember is to relive what Jesus did. Now, allow me just to give you a little bit of teaching for a couple of minutes on communion uh, and what we believe about it here at the church. When Jesus tells his disciples to do this, this is what's known as a perpetual command. In other words, this is something that we're not just to do one time. We're meant to do it over and over as much as needed to commemorate the death of Christ. When Jesus says, as often as you gather, uh, some would say that means every single time the church gets together, uh, we have to do communion. That's not what that means. What that means in, in the short way of explaining it is, as often as you need to take communion, take communion. Now, here at Revolution Church, we take communion corporately minimum one time a year because if you read through the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus, uh, at a celebration called Passover, which was once a year, took communion corporately with his disciples. We do communion more regularly if you're interested in doing it more than once a year, and sometimes we do it twice. Uh, There was a season where we did communion every single week as a church for about three months, but we'll do it at least once a year. But if you want to do it more, then sign up for a small group. Because we believe in Acts chapter 22, it gave us the example that communion is mainly to be done uh, through groups in homes. They do it in the Rev Men's Ministry, the Rev Women's Ministry, and so on and so forth. The the idea is, oh, and by the way, you can take communion yourself. Do you know that? Like, Dad's in here. Grab communion supplies. Sit around the bonfire like I do with my family. Take communion with them together. So there's nothing holding you back. Taking communion doesn't just mean when we do it corporately here. You can do it on your own at home. Uh, And mainly we do it through groups here at Revolution Church. And so the idea is do it as much as needed, though. Maybe you only need to do it once a year, and that's good for you. But maybe you're in here, and you need to do it once a month. Do it once a month. I'm in a season of my life, maybe because I'm getting ready, I was getting prepared to teach on this. 
I'm taking communion every single morning during my quiet time. I've been doing it for about a week. I don't know how much longer because there's a lot of pressure right now. Church is growing like crazy. We're building a building, a lot of spiritual warfare and different things like that. So I feel like the Lord has led me to do it every single day in my quiet time. So take communion and do it to remember and relive what Jesus did. What Jesus is speaking in when he says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me in the same way. Uh, This is my blood which is poured out for you, is he speaking in figurative language. It's what Bible scholars call figurative literal language. Now, there's what we call plain literal, and then there's figurative literal. Plain literal is when you take something for face value, like when Jesus says, don't lie, don't commit adultery, don't steal. Figurative literal is when Jesus is saying something that is more figurative and symbolic. Things like when Jesus would say, I am the door. Well, Jesus isn't a wooden door with doorknobs. He had a deeper meaning. I am the bread of life. Jesus wasn't saying, I'm going to transform into a loaf of bread that you can eat. I am the living water. Jesus isn't saying he's water. Here, what he's doing is he's using figurative, literal language and saying, When you take the Lord's Supper, it symbolizes the body and the blood. What that means in theological terms is, at this church, we don't believe uh, that it turns into the actual body and blood. Transubstantiationism is what it's called, okay? So we believe in a symbolic form of this. Uh, Plain literal versus figurative literal. Maybe you'll understand it this way. Uh, How many of y'all have kids in here? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you have kids. Okay, your kids do something stupid, and you look at them, and you say, you're grounded from your phone for a week. Well, you're speaking in plain literal. What you mean is you're going to take their phone from them, and they're not going to be able to have it for a week. They're grounded for a week, plain literal. Or your kids may do something stupid, and you may look at them and say, if you don't stop, I'm going to rip your arm off, beat you over the head with it, and knock you into next week. Okay? You're not really, hopefully, going to rip their arm off, beat them over the head with it, and knock them into next week. You're using figurative, literal language. Does that make sense to everybody? Say amen. Okay, so this is figurative, literal. We remember, and to remember is to relive. You know, some things that you remember, it's like you're, you're reliving them and you're in that moment again. I can remember around 24 years ago when I met my wife at Papa John's on Western Avenue in Knoxville, Tennessee. Y'all, pizza will change your life. I'm just telling you. I'm just saying. Change your life, y'all. And I remember the first time I saw her. And when I remember those things, I relive them. I remember my wedding day and some of the things about my wedding day and how special it was. And when, when I really hone in and concentrate, it's like I'm reliving those. I remember bad things in my life. I remember the day my mom died of cancer. And when that That notification pops up on my phone, mom's death anniversary, mom's birthday, mother's day. I think about that, and it's as if I'm reliving it, if that makes sense. Well, we remember Jesus' death and his sacrifice. And one thing that that means is, it's as if we were there and we relive it as if we were there. If you remember about 20 years ago, there was a movie that came out called The Passion of the Christ. And everybody went to see it. And the power and the passion of the Christ was it put visual images to the things that we've read about in Scripture. 
And if you've never watched it, I would encourage you to watch it. I try to watch it once a year, every uh, Good Friday. I try to watch The Passion of the Christ because when you watch what Jesus went through, and they did such an incredible job with the imagery and the visuals, it's like you're there. It's a little different than just reading it and imagining it. And when you see it, it's like you relive it. So to remember means to relive what Jesus did. Number two, to remember means to recommit. In other words, to remember means to recommit in obedience to Christ. Some things that you remember cause a call to action. Do you guys that were alive and, and like old enough, do you remember September 11th, 2001? Raise your hand if you remember that day, 9-11. You remember that? I remember we didn't have any technology then, no smartphones, nothing like that. And uh, I was listening to what was going on all day because I was working at a GNC store on a radio. And I didn't get to see the images until I got home. But because of everything that was going on, on that day, I called everybody I loved. I called my mom just to tell her I loved her. I called my wife to check on her. I mean, y'all, some of y'all went and got your kids out of school because of the things that took place. And ever since that happened, when... There's a big anniversary, like the one-year anniversary. I can remember a year after they were showing all those images and, and doing all these documentaries and things like that on 9-11. And it took me back to a year earlier. It was like I was reliving it. And those same emotions, those same calls to action came up in me. I remember at the year anniversary, I'm calling my mom and I'm, I'm hugging Brooke extra and I'm calling all the people I love because remembering that and reliving it caused me to do something. In the book of Corinthians, uh, Paul implies, and I think makes very clear, that communion is not just an individualistic thing that we do. It's also a corporate thing that the church does together. And it's not meant to divide. It's something that's meant to unify the church. In fact, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which is where we get some of the clearest teaching, chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, he says at the beginning in the context of communion, he says, more harm than good is done when you meet together, a little extra there, and take communion together. He's correcting their behavior and he's saying, y'all are taking communion and you've missed the purpose of it. More harm is being done later. Uh, in verse 33, Paul says, so my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. Some of the things that they were doing for the Lord's Supper and for communion were causing divisions. And Paul's like, you're doing it wrong. Because this is something that's meant to unify. Well, when we talk about uh, to remember is to recommit and to obey. If we keep the word remember in context, the actual Greek word, listen to Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Just one example. It says this, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, guess what word that is, y'all? Rem same word. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So we recommit to Jesus, which means we forgive people. We have patience. We have mercy. We have grace, long-suffering. We go the extra mile. Uh, one commentator wrote that communion is telling the enemy and his schemes to go to hell. That's one thing we do when we take communion. The enemy is going to try to divide and conquer. The enemy is going to try to get you to fall into temptation. And communion is a time where you have the power through Christ to say, you go to hell, devil, you go to hell, enemy, with your schemes and the things that you're trying to do. 
Does anybody remember Saturday uh, around 7 or 8 o'clock three weeks ago when the UT Vols (laughs) played the enemy? The Alabama Crimson Tide. You remember that? Before that game, they ate a meal. And the UT football team has an entire staff of nutritionists and experts that know what the team needs to eat before the game. Something that won't cause them to get sick, even though one of the coolest things that happened in that game. Did y'all see that lineman throw up and then just keep going? That was so awesome. That was so awesome. I have tried to figure out how can I use that in a sermon. I should have used it right now. But anyway, look it up if you didn't see it. But they've got a whole staff dedicated to making sure they eat the right things so that their performance when they go into battle in the game, so to speak, is the best that it can possibly be when they go in and take on the enemy, which is the Alabama Crimson Tide. It's the same thing with us, y'all. To remember is to recommit. This is not just something that we're thinking about historically in the past, but this is your pregame meal for when you walk outside these four walls that's preparing you for the battles that you are getting ready to fight. Number three, to remember is to have a relationship. In other words, to remember uh, during communion is to make sure you understand the love that Christ has for you, and try to love Christ as best you can. Uh, Yes, remembrance is historical, but understand this and this point. Remembrance is also personal. What did Jesus say? He said, do this in remembrance of me. Don't get it twisted. He did not just say, do this in remembrance of my death. He did not say, just do this in remembrance of my ministry. No, it was personal. Do this in remembrance of me. Think about his death, yes. Think about his ministry, yes. But also think about who he is in light of his death, burial, and resurrection. How much Jesus loved, how much he sacrificed, how much he gave, how much he took our sins, how much he took the wrath of God. Remember and celebrate the fact that Jesus is a person and allow communion to strengthen your connection to Christ and, here's the key, your personal relationship with him. It's not just some guy that died 2,000 years ago. Christians believe we have a personal relationship with the Savior that is very much alive. Number four, to remember is to recall. Specifically, what I mean by this, to remember is to recall truth. And there's three things that we're to remember and recall about Jesus when we take communion. Number one, we remember who Jesus is. And this is done symbolically through the little cracker that you eat or the bread, so to speak, that you eat. And that specifically is for people that are under the sound of my voice that are in need of healing or you're in need of peace. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Jesus says, This is my body, which is broken for you. Isaiah 53, 5, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. 
Jesus gives the bread new symbolism to represent his body that was broken on behalf of his followers so that we can have peace and we can have healing no matter what the situation is in our lives. Number two, we remember what Jesus has done. It's past tense, right? This is symbolic in the grape juice that you drink or the wine that you drink. And this is for people in here that need to remember the salvation that Jesus has given you or for the people in here that are completely lost right now and you need salvation. Let me read one verse to you, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In Him, we have redemption. Redemption means this is how we're saved. This is why we're going to heaven. Through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Jesus gives the wine symbolism to represent the blood that He shed on the cross on behalf of His followers so that we can be saved and we can go to heaven. Amen, Rev Church? Thirdly, there's one more that I think we need to remember. One more. Number three, we need to remember what Jesus will do because He's not done yet. He's not done yet. This is when Jesus said, I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. And when we think about what Jesus will do, I believe that it's specifically for folks in here that need hope. You are desperately seeking hope. Jesus, when he says, I'm not going to drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come, he's speaking in eschatology is the theological phrase in Tom's terms. He's talking about Essentially, to make a long story short, this is really the main thing you need to know about eschatology and end times. Uh, you can get into charts and you can get into studying it and everything, but here's the deal. Jesus wins. He conquers everything. He's in charge. It's all about Jesus in the end times. In fact, Revelation chapter 19 makes this very clear to us when it says this. Now, this is written in apocalyptic literature, poetry, so it's very uh, symbolic. But listen to what it says. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. This is Jesus he's speaking about. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Y'all didn't know that Jesus is coming back one day with a leg tattoo that says, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He conquers. You need hope in here. Listen, Jesus is referred to in the book of Colossians as the hope of glory. In that same book, in chapter 3, verses 2 through 4, it says this to us, instructing us, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all His glory. Everybody say glory. Glory. 
Let's do it like old school Baptist style. You know what I mean? Like glory on the count of three. One, two, three. Glory. You looking for hope in here this weekend? As we take communion, think about, yes, the bread and the body of Christ, which gives us healing and peace. Yes, the, the blood of Christ, which gives us salvation. But also, also, think about what he's going to do. Because this thing's coming to a close one day. And we get to share in the glory with Christ. About a month ago, I took my kids on a uh, hike at Cumberland Mountain State Park. Anybody ever been hiking at Cumberland Mountain State Park? Okay. Well, at Cumberland Mountain State Park, let me explain for those of you that haven't. Uh, they've got several trails that you can hike. You know, they've got trails that are a half a mile long. They've got trails that are a mile, two miles, three miles, basically any length you want. And as far as I can tell, the longest trail that they have is a trail called the Overnight Trail. Well, when I took my kids, I took both my kids, my, uh, my son and my daughter, and we took our dog, we decided to go on the overnight trail because it's the first hike we've ever done together, so we may as well go on the nine-mile hike that's called the overnight trail. Now, the overnight trail is called the overnight trail for a specific reason because most people stay overnight when they go on it. There's a place you can camp about halfway through, and most people walk half of it. They camp out. And then they walk back to their car the next day. Well, we said, we're going to do the whole thing in one day. That was really smart. Amen, y'all? Like, let's go on the overnight trail. Let's just go with that one, right? Well, when we went, I've got a son that is, uh, Brooke's not in here. I can't remember how old he is, 11 or 12. Does anybody else forget their kids' ages sometimes? Okay, it's not just me. Good, okay. So I'm a good dad. I just can't exactly remember uh, dates and ages and stuff. I think he's 12. He may be 11, though. Um, but he, uh, he, of course, when we go on this, he's like, man, we got to take knives and we got to take, you know, all this stuff to protect us because he's a boy, right, from the bears that could be there. And, and I'm going to make sure I take my BB gun with me and blah, 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 blah. And so he loads up a backpack. And then my daughter, of course, is like, we need to take this and we got to take food and we better take this and extra coat and blah, blah, blah. So we ended up with a backpack that was full of stuff. And it was big, y'all, okay? It was big. We had this one. We had this one, which was a medium-sized one. And then we had this little bitty one, okay? Now, guess which one I carried? See, the y'all that don't have kids, one of the great things about having kids is you don't have to do certain things anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's really, really cool. Like, amen, parents. Like, you know, they'll take the garbage out if you just get onto them and make them do it. So, so I carried this one, and it just basically had, like, my gun in it and stuff like that. And then I made my kids carry the heavier ones, right? And so my son, he carried the actual one with all the water in it. It was so heavy, right? My daughter carried this one that was kind of like the middle one or the medium one. I got to thinking about that walk that we took and that hike that we took. I couldn't help, you know, communion is so symbolic. I couldn't help but think about how every single one of us has baggage. We're on a hike called life, and it gets hard. And every one of us has baggage. Every one of us has sin. Every one of us has brokenness. We all fail God, 
We all let them down. We all fall short. And we carry that stuff around. Now listen, if you're in here and you don't think you have baggage, your baggage is called denial, okay? That's not a river in South America. That's something you're carrying on your back right now, man. Denial and pride. We walk those nine miles. And of course, carrying this big thing, my son's about to die. He's stopping halfway through. Can we stop? No, because if we stop, we ain't going to get going again, and we may die out here, you know? And so my daughter, she's worn out. Even me. I'm dead, y'all. I'm carrying this little thing. And I'm looking at my son going, can you carry mine for a minute? You know what I mean? Like, I'm wore out. (laughs) We all were carrying something. You're carrying something, too. Maybe it's big. Maybe it's medium-sized. Maybe it's real little, but you're carrying something. You know, communion, when we take it, there's two things that we do. Number one, we examine ourselves. I taught on the significance of communion with Passover and how it's connected last year. You can find that sermon online if you want a more in-depth explanation of that. But one thing we talked about last year is a week leading up to Passover, which this is the Passover meal that we take as a church to symbolize Christ. Uh, Jewish people do what's called uh, getting rid of the yeast, getting, getting rid of the leaven in their house. And they go through their house and they get rid of any yeast that they find. They get rid of it. They take it out. They don't touch it. They don't go near it for a week leading up to Passover and on Passover day. Because in the Bible, yeast represents baggage. It represents sin. It represents brokenness. And so they symbolically take it out of their house, out of their lives. They drop the baggage so that when Passover comes, they can, they can connect to God. 1 Corinthians 11, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthy, unworthily, is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment on yourself. You know, another reason we don't have communion every single week as a church is because I really believe when you do that, it becomes a religious thing. Y'all that have done that before, you know what I'm talking about. Communion is just part of the service. You go through the motions. And we never want to be guilty of a church, of leading, as a church, of leading people to doing something like this. You examine yourself. You get the yeast out. You throw your bags off. Secondly, communion reconnects us and connects us closer to Jesus. When we were done and my truck was within sight of that nine-mile hike, the first thing we did was we took our bags off and we threw them in the back. Oh, thank goodness. We stopped at Homestead Market and got ice cream. Amen? Because we earned it, baby. Amen? And, and we replenished ourselves with ice cream. We bought Gatorade and we rehydrated ourselves And I'm not kidding, y'all. We went straight home and took like a two or three hour nap. We rested. 
you're here this weekend. Life's crazy. You've heard everything. You're searching for hope. You need to remember Jesus. What you need to do is you need to drop your baggage. Sit at the table with Jesus. Replenish yourself. Have a little bit of the bread of life. Get those calories back in. Get those muscle glycogen stores back up so that you can go fight the battles you need to fight. You need to rehydrate. Sit at the table with Christ. Drink some living water. Get hydrated. Hey, hey, listen, man, this is a time where, where we really believe his yoke is easy and his burden is light. True rest, true rest is found at the foot of the cross. And during communion, you rest in Him. You get restored in Him. And you make your connection to Jesus stronger. This is not just a religious thing. This is very important to us as a church. We take this very serious. And some of you guys in churches, you've rushed through it. It's been boring. We get it. A lot of churches, they do it weird. They come up and fold 50 blankets in front of you, and you're going, why are they folding so many bed sheets? You know what I mean? And, and it takes an hour just to do communion. We want this to mean something. So let's remember and take communion today. Pastor Brandon, our student pastor, is going to sing a song, and he might ask you at some point during the song to stand up, and sing as well, but as he's singing, you remember. And as he's singing and you remember, when you're ready, there's a communion cup on the seat back in front of you, or it was on your seat if you're on the front row. We've got a cracker on the bottom, we've got juice on the top. Eat the cracker and remember the body of Christ. Drink the juice and remember the blood of Jesus. Maybe you're going to do this 30 seconds into the song. Maybe you're going to do it five minutes after we're singing this. When you're ready, take the elements and let's remember Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. I thank you for every single person that is here. I thank you for every single person that is joining us online. God, there's those that are in the hospital right now. There's those that are homebound right now that can't be here corporately in a physical presence, but they are with us right now, corporately taking communion. If, if you're at home right now watching online, just find some elements. It doesn't matter if it's juice or crackers. It could be Dr. Pepper and Twinkies. It could be water and uh, crackers, whatever. You're free to take communion with us. God, I pray for the people in here. I pray for those that walked in this weekend and they... They came in thinking, man, I, I'm doing good. Look at me. I'm, I'm at church. I've been reading my Bible. I've been praying. And, and God, that's a wonderful thing. But God, there's some people in here that I believe might be full of a little bit of pride. And as they remember what you did, they're going to realize the closer you get to God, the more offensive you realize your sin is and the more you realize how far away from Him you are. And there is no place for pride. Humble them, Lord. I pray for those this weekend that have been looking for hope, 
trying to figure out how they're going to make it another day. Broken. They need peace. They need healing. God, I pray that as we take communion together as a church, this connects them stronger to Christ. And they know where their hope is. They know where their peace comes from. And they know where their healing is going to come from. Finally, God, I pray for those in here that need to remember their salvation. God, if that's all you ever did for us was save us. You didn't heal us. You didn't give us peace. You didn't, you didn't let us share in your hope of the glory. If all you did was save us, God, that's way more than we deserve. I pray you make it fresh for people in here. They remember what it was like the moment they put their trust in Christ. How special it was. How they couldn't believe that Jesus could save them and their sinfulness. And I pray for those that don't know you in here, God. They're lost. That this would be a time where they do business with a holy God. They give up. They surrender. And they give everything to Christ. And from this day forward, they're changed. And they're heading to heaven. We love you. If you're encouraged by today's message, be sure and rate us and subscribe on iTunes.